Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Well, it is official Thursday night. Test Rugby is a sellout. The All Blacks and the Wallabies will run out onto Melbourne's Marble Stadium tonight with the Bledisloe Cup and all its history on the line. New Zealand have held the trophy since claiming it back in 2003. Since then, it's been uh, some pretty dark times for Australian rugby, I think it's fair to say. Uh, but with the All Blacks being in- inconsistent in their performances this year... Now could be as good a time as any for the Wallabies in their bid to reclaim Trans-Tasman Rugby's prized possession. Uh, joining us now to uh, look at it from an Australian point of view is Sydney Morning Herald rugby reporter Tom Decent. Tom, thanks so much for your time this morning. Uh, it was officially announced yesterday that the match is a sellout, so even uh, in a very much a, an AFL time of the year, Melbourne has come to the party. Yeah, 100%. There'll be an AFL finals match on the day after on Friday, but I think a bit of, um, uh, you know, tick of approval has to go to Rugby Australia there for scheduling that on the Thursday, a full house at this stage. So um, there'll be a roof over the game in uh, at Marvel Stadium and um, a massive crowd rolling into this letters all open up. There'll be plenty of excitement here in Melbourne. Right, uh, let's uh, look at uh, the Australian side in particular. And uh, Dave Rennie's had his, his hand uh, really twisted in a lot of areas here because of unavailability. What do you make of this Australian side? Well, it's very different to that team that rolled out against the box. Some of those changes are definitely forced as well. We know Hunter Paisami, they were really hoping would be okay. He wasn't. Noah Lawless-Seo has a massive out with his concussion as well. So Bernard Foley comes back in. The clocks roll back three years for Australian rugby there. Very, very different situation to the one he was in three years ago. Um, Taniel Tupo's calf as well, not right. So that was a big blow on the bench as well, not being able to have him. And then a few force changes as well. Rennie really swinging the axe after that pretty bad defeat in Sydney. Um, eight changes. There's a few questions as to whether the cohesion of that side will be able to click in time for this game. So a very, very different side. Probably a bigger back row. Um, but there's, you know, look, on paper, I still think the All Blacks still got a, a far superior team. It's a very interesting side when you look at perhaps uh, 9 and 10 that probably um, emphasises as much as any the the two pivot roles there Jake Gordon and Bernard Foley together Uh, Bernard Foley back uh, into the highest level of rugby with very little preparation it seems Absolutely, well well, he's just been decimated at number 10 as we know Quade Cooper has done his ruptured his Achilles so he's gone for the year um, James O'Connor, we understand, has just done a syndesmosis injury as well, but he wasn't even in the squad, so he sort of was, couldn't have even been called in if they wanted to. Noel Olesia has a concussion. Uh, Reese Hodge is an option there at 10, but they don't see him there long term. Bernard Foley's been come back as training cover, really, um, and then has come from the clouds, pretty similar to Quake Cooper last year in the Rugby Championship, and he then 
you know, was thrust into that number 10 role. And then Jake Gordon as well replaces Nick White. A very interesting decision. Nick White, I think, was the guy they had hoped was going to be their starting nine all the way through to the World Cup. A bit of continuity there, but a bad game against South Africa. And um, perhaps that Waratah combination that those two guys had two or three years ago um, with, with Foley and Gordon may have played a role. But a um, oh, huge stage. What a story it would be if Bernard Foley could help tell the world between that one. That would be an incredible story, um, quite frankly. Uh, yeah, the Nick White, uh, the Nick White uh, one is, is quite an interesting one. Of, of course, um, uh, in, involved in uh, some controversy during that uh, Springbok series. Of, of course, um, so why Jake Gordon? Um, why, why do you think he's gone, Jake Gordon, in the, this particular occasion? I really do think that they've been like that. Bernard and Jake know their games a little bit better, given they have played a little bit at the Tars three years ago. Jake Gordon's a little bit um, sort of snipey out of um, you know, halfback. He'll, he'll run the ball a little bit more. I'm not sure why Tate McDermott's on the outer as well. I know he's been fantastic for the Reds, and they do like him as well. Um, yeah, Rennie didn't sort of elaborate on the on the Gordon decision too much. He thought he was quite good off the bench in Sydney, but from a lot of that game, he was actually filling holes and playing a bit on the wing. Like He didn't play a heap of that match at halfback. So um, a bold call in a massive game. Jake Gordon has started a lot at test level. Um, those two only started once in a test together back in 2018 against Italy. So um, all eyes on those two. It's a huge, huge role for them coming up. Tom, they always say when you ask the coaches, the game's one up front. Um, the All Blacks have uh, got a, a front row finally performing here uh, with the experienced locks of Retallick and uh, Sam Whitelock behind them. Uh, what about uh, the Wallaby Type 5 led by James Slipper? Yeah, look, it's pretty consistent there. They've obviously had a tweak at hooker as well. I don't think the line-out's been functioning particularly well. The Wallabies have had the worst line-out record um, in the rugby championship so far, so they've gone with Dave Parecki there. Um, look, but, yeah, I mean, James Slipper, will, you, you know what you're going to get with him. And Alan Alatoa, you know what you're going to get with him as well. And then the lock's a little bit of a change there. Jed Holloway, who's played a little bit of lock at super rugby level, has to come in there and cover that role that Rory Arnold leaves as well. And Matt Phillip. Um, a big body in the back row though you've got obviously you know Rob Liotta who's a big guy Pete Samu at number seven is an interesting call as well over Fraser McWright clearly they think that he's going to be a bigger body and maybe not necessarily a bigger presence over the ball but um, using utilising Fraser a bit more off the bench as well and um, and then Rob Balotini like it does a game for him to stand up and show that he's really really a, a figurehead of that forward pack and it's this game on Thursday if the Wallabies get parity, if they get their fair uh, share of front football, are you confident uh, outside of, of Foley that they uh, have the combinations uh, to make advantage of it with uh, Fakiti and Ikatao in the centres? Oh, the short answer is no, to be honest. Um, I think they lack a massive, massive man there in Samu Karebi. Like, he's probably the biggest loss of that entire group if you look at it like for like. Um, Look, Lalakoff, a kiddie, great player, good guy, but hasn't played a lot at test level. That combination is very, very raw with Lenny Katow as well, so I don't know how that will go. Andrew Kellaway has had a you know a great breakthrough year last year, and they'd love to see him be the fullback long-term, but he's got a massive role on his hands as well. Mariki Corombete will do his thing out wide, but I'm just thinking that back line, given the number of test caps, given the number of times they've played together, um, things are going to have to really, really go their way to click in, on the first game, I think Rennie alluded to that as well yesterday when we spoke to him. So, um, interesting times ahead, hey? Let's uh, look at uh, the overall impression of uh, where you think the All Blacks are at, Tom, because there is a, a school of thought that says uh, this is uh, probably the, the most vulnerable point they've been at for quite some time. Do you think 
looking at the Australian squad for tonight, the New Zealand side for tonight, they are vulnerable, the All Blacks? Oh, I would I would say if Australia had the absolute 100% best team and they had shown no signs of inconsistency yet, um, I think that the All Blacks might be slightly vulnerable. But you look at that team on paper, the All Blacks have rolled out. It's still an incredible team, um, you know, like what Pratalic, as we know, the, the, the back line's still to die for. I think the Wallabies on paper would take any of those players, to be honest. Australia have just been too inconsistent. I don't think Australia fans have seen enough to... Pretty comprehensively at Adelaide, then, you know, had a terrible game in Sydney. So the sense is that, yeah, sure, New Zealand haven't been, you know, crash hot at the top of their game, but... Um, it's always something about Bledisloe's, you know, that, that they rise for, particularly in openers as well. Australia have had a very, very bad record in Bledisloe openers and are always on the back foot. And as we know, two-game series makes it even harder, right? OK, let's uh, look at um, Dave Rennie. Uh, you would be fully aware that uh, the New Zealand media have been all over uh, Ian Foster in the last uh, few months, maybe even longer. Uh, what about the pressure on Dave Rennie from a media point of view, from an expectation point of view? You know, a few other good teams up there in Wales and Ireland, teams that could seriously roll them, then, yeah, questions will have to be asked to play France up there as well. So that, so that win record could be very much under 40% by the end of the year. There is pressure on him for sure. Um, I think it's sort of like real. on the way to, you know, that he would have wanted and put it into his four-year plan. It's hard to say that that has um, all come and clicked and gone to fruition so far for Dave Rennie. The other issue, uh, Tom, is that surrounding Michael Hooper. Where is where is he at? Do you know? Yeah, not a lot of word coming out of um, all of his camp from Michael Hooper, just out of respect for him. Uh he may go on the spring tour. That was the last update we had from Dave Rennie, but they weren't totally ruling that out. They made a call a few weeks ago. He wasn't going to play in the Bledisloe Cup. Uh, my sense is that he probably won't go up north. He'll get a bit of time away from the game, rest his body up, um, because realistically, whatever happens up north um, in October, November, people aren't going to remember next year when the World Cup rolls around. That's obviously the most critical, important tournament for Australia's best player to be at. Um, yeah, haven't had a lot of news on the Michael Hooper front. Um, very private guy, um, and he's, he's remaining that way. I haven't seen him around, so um, I assume we'll get a bit of an update after the as well as to where he's at. But everyone's hoping he gets back as soon as possible. Tom, what kind of uh, game are you expecting tonight? Do you, do you think it'll be um, a, a kicking-dominated game, or do you, do you think it'll be a, a game where both coaches have said, you know, once we get balled, we just have a crack? Yeah, possibly. I think New Zealand will play that way. Australia will be desperate to not let New Zealand counter-attack. So I think they'll be trying to be a little bit clever with their kicking game, a bit more territory sort of oriented because they just know how deadly you know, the Kiwis can be on counter-attack. Had a look at the track yesterday and it'll be under the roof at Marvel. It'll look incredibly brilliant. Um, it'll be a fast track. I think there'll be a lot of points in the game. Um, but obviously, you know, going back to the fundamental set piece, you know, line-out ball scrum, all that stuff that the Wallabies keep talking about and they've been inconsistent at. They'll be trying to 
to play it. And I think New Zealand, I don't think they've got anything to lose. They'll be maybe a bit tentative and there's been some talk that if Australia can start well, then that might highlight a few insecurities of this all-black side who haven't been at their best. But I think whoever you know starts well should, should go on with and win it. Uh, Tom, just getting away from uh, the rugby championship as such, which has been quite enthralling actually with these wins uh, and losses, etc. and the unpredictability of it. There's a story uh, floating around about Japan who could potentially join Super Rugby with Australia and New Zealand uh, to try and link it together. Do you, do you see that being a viable move from an Australian point of view? Oh, good question. Yeah, possibly. I know people at Rugby Australia have been trying to include you know, um, Japan within some sort of tournament models possibly going forward. Um, there was previously talk of trying to do a sort of final system where you would get you know, the best of Australia and New Zealand play in the, you know, play against the best of Japanese teams. I think there's merit in it as well. I don't think we need to cast in it too wide, though. We've just finally had, you know, the creation of Super Rugby Trans-Tasman and we're trying to get that 12-team cog up and running and locked and loaded and, and, you know, viable for the future. I think maybe we just need to get that sorted first. Um, you know, potentially having a few teams in and out, depending on what, here it is and how, how they want to go about it. But, um, yeah, that's an interesting report, man. Tom, uh, always great catching up with you. Enjoy uh, the footy tonight. It's going to be, uh, I think, a magnificent occasion. And uh, I can't, I, I'm, I'm pretty positive the All Blacks will win, but um, I'm, 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 I can't really work out a margin. I'm, I'm trying to work it around in my head. But, um, yeah, you're, you're forecasting an All Black win, basically? Yeah, like 15 points at least. Um, and it's that, yeah, it'd be great yarn if the Wallabies win, and it makes next week a bit more interesting for everyone. Maybe not Kiwi fans, but uh, certainly Australians over here. So <laughs> I think the Kiwis uh, will be too strong. Wow. Okay. Fifteen plus uh, says uh, Tom. Okay. Hey, thanks very much for your time this morning, mate. Enjoy the, enjoy the night at Marvel Stadium. Thank you. No worries. Thanks, Ian. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato, and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Maccas, together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.